This is the Barbecue Central Show Archives. The Barbecue Central Show airs live each Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and is brought to you by the Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic temperature control devices and a host of other products that make your barbecue and grilling life easier. Visit them online at thebbqguru.com or call them 800-288-GURU. And by Big Papa Smokers, creators of fabulous rubs, online retailer of grills, accessories, apparel, and creators of their own barbecue contest. Visit them online at BigPapaSmokers.com. And by Butcher Barbecue, creators of injections and rubs, sweeping the nation, doing well in competitions and in the backyard. You can visit them at ButcherBBQ.com. And by Stephen DeFranco Jewelers, official jeweler of the Barbecue Central Show. Call 440-943-2700 and use key term Barbecue Brother when you talk to Steve or visit them online at StephenDeFranco.com. And by Green Mountain Grills, one of the best pellet grills you can get on the market today, varying sizes, not only for your capacity of cooking, but for your budget as well. Visit GreenMountainGrills.com for more information. And by El Diablo Mustard, looking for a little bit of heat and flavor and regular old yellow mustard el diablo has you covered six different flavors to choose from currently and you can find them at el diablo mustard.com and by cookingpellets.com have a pellet driven cooker why not try out some of the best pellets on the market and will not void any of your warranties by the way cookingpellets.com is the website and by cook shack a premier manufacturer of electric and pellet-driven cookers, giving barbecue classes located in Ponca City, Oklahoma. Always running some kind of a special deal. Check them out at cookshack.com. So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike the match, and... Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Good evening and welcome to the really big Barbecue Central show. This is the show that talks about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling. Broadcasting live and direct from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio. It is the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evening. If you want to jump in on the show tonight, more than happy to have you. You can make a telephone call, 216-220-0966. You can also email the show if you would care to, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. Everything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, thebbqcentralshow.com. And uh, here is what's happening, in case you didn't get the newsletter. A little bit of a time reversal. Uh, typically, in the second Tuesday during the first hour interview segments, you see Meathead, but we're going to flip-flop it around. Uh, joining me in the first hour for two segments, set none other than the pitmaster of Big Papa Smokers Competition, cooking team founder of that online presence, uh, running the business uh, that has nothing to do with barbecue, that being the, the Ernie Ball Company, uh, which is famous for music and strings and guitars and all that sort of stuff. Sterling Ball will be joining us. 
Also a uh, American Royal Grand Champion uh, in his day as well. So uh, Sterling Ball joining us in about uh, 10, 11 minutes from now. And then we will move into the second hour where a, uh, again, time flip-flop reversal doohickey willy will find none other than the creator of the most heavily trafficked barbecue and grilling website on the face of the earth. The guy that we love getting info and sparring verbally with Meathead Goldwyn will be joining us. Tonight's topics with Meathead to include a very brand new, it's not initiative. I don't, I mean, it's not a club per se. It is a club, I guess. It's like a pitmaster's club or something like that. He's going to talk extensively about it. It is a pay service. However, that pay per year will hopefully yield some value in uh, getting you off the wallet and uh, into the inner circle of AmazingRibs.com. So Meathead will be talking about that. But the overriding majority of the conversation will be talking about poultry. Kind of a scary subject to some. A lot of people scared to touch it. A lot of people on the opposite end of that not afraid to touch it at all. And after they touch it might then touch other things without washing their hands. Spraying chicken off in the sink. Contamination amok. Prevalent. And growing in a sizable fashion. So we're going to talk about all things that have to do with poultry itself. Maybe we'll even talk about how they're slaughtered. in those kill pens and all that stuff. And what kind of sanitary or non-sanitary conditions that are going to be. So Meathead will be joining us there for the second hour. We're all ready. We're locked. We're loaded. 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. Now, if you are watching right now, I ask you each and every week, do me a favor. Make a Facebook post. Make a Twitter tweet. Tweet out on the Twitter that you are watching the show right now that the show's on. A couple different websites you can check out. If you know that person can only do it on the Audible side of things, do it here TheBBQCentralShow.com. We have uh, the audio streams available up and running 24-7. If you know somebody likes to do a video on the computer side, OutdoorCookingChannel.com is the video simulcast partner for years now. The main video simulcast partner. If you know somebody that's got IP television, maybe like the Roku, or maybe they don't have Roku, but they have an Internet Protocol television device, if they have an app store on there, see if they have Outdoor Cooking Channel in that app store. If they do download it, you have a live stream option there. Plus, you have archives uh, from this show and all the other shows that Kevin has on Outdoor Cooking Channel right there on uh, the IP television. Uh, I suggest Roku because it's kind of like the flagship IPTV thing that uh, got started, though it's on a number of other ones as well. Again, go to that app store, download Outdoor Cooking Channel, and you do have the live stream application option, which is the very first one, and then... Again, the archives of all the shows. And don't forget, you can subscribe to this show on iTunes for the audio replays. You can get up on the YouTubes, B-A-R-B-E-C-U-E, the numeral four and the letter U, for video archives there on the Barbecue uh, Central Show YouTube page. As I mentioned, Outdoor Cooking Channel has all the replays. And really, if you're looking for a clearing house of website to, to visit for replays of the show then it's going to be thebbqcentralshow.com because it's got all of the audio and video archives of the show right there each and every time. So 
As I say each and every week, no reason you should ever miss anything on this show. Ever. Ever. Forget it. All right, you wanted me to weigh in on it. We've known now for a couple of days. Breaking news a few days ago. I guess it was Friday around lunchtime. LeBron James returning back to Cleveland. Ho, ho. I'm telling you, four years ago, almost to the day for the sports fan, and some people don't like basketball. I get it. But if you like basketball and you live in the city, you realize that LeBron James was steering the proverbial ship of basketball, but not only basketball. You know, the city's economy, whether you like to hear it or not, kind of based on LeBron James. And him coming back to Cleveland the night before the announcement was made, they were interviewing restaurants because we all thought that we were going to be hearing it uh, at some point on Thursday when people were allowed to make their uh, announcements of free agent signings, but it didn't happen. So everybody very worried for that 24 hours. But they were interviewing restaurant owners and bar owners and businesses around downtown and the outlying suburbs, and they had set plans that if he was going to be coming back, that they were going to be doing serious hiring. Serious hiring because LeBron James and a Cleveland Cavaliers uniform not only is going to translate to direct wins in the Cleveland win-loss column, but it will directly, not indirectly, but it will directly affect a number of the other businesses uh, directly downtown, in the East 4th Street area, on Douchebag Row and West 6th. And and again, a lot of the outlying suburb areas. Of course, now we have the uh, Horseshoe Casino that's downtown now. You could be seeing people making a night of it, taking in a Cavs game, going on over to Dan Gilbert's other opportunity or other interest in Cleveland, which is the casino, by chance. People are going to be back and, and happy to be downtown again. And the fact that he came back, I'm not going to turn this into a sports take. And, and for the people that don't understand how this or what this means to a Cleveland sports fan is... You know, Cleveland has jumped to being the leader in the clubhouse right now for odds to win an NBA championship next season. I mean, just as early as next season. I don't know if that's going to happen that soon, but it would be great to be in the mix. Uh, we haven't been in the mix since he's left. I think we won 62 or 63 games his last year here. We won 19 the next year without him. So he does make somewhat of a difference. We got some young talent coming up, but here's the bottom line. I don't remember the last time, and LeBron James is somebody who transcends sports, probably one of the most iconic figures in sports today, international or national. Everybody knows who he is. Everybody knows he's the best player out there in the league right now. Everybody knows him everywhere. Cannot go and not be unrecognized. He left. He left South Beach to come back to Cleveland, he did, of his own free will. Nobody, allow me to explain, nobody has ever left anywhere to come to Cleveland, let alone starting here, leaving, and then coming back. If he can win even one championship, and there's no guarantees that him coming back results in anything, let's be up front. But if he can come back and win 
one championship in his time back in Cleveland. Legend forever and ever. Amen. I'm sorry. Amen. Bigger than Bernie Kosar. That guy didn't win Jack. And he is still King Tut around here. Doesn't even live around. I think he lives in Florida most of the time. But Bernie rules the roost in Cleveland to this day. And again, he didn't win Jack. Welcome home, LeBron. Welcome home. Folks, thinking of ways to step up the barbecue and grilling game. No better or easier way to do that than by adding a little butcher barbecue to your arsenal. That's right. You visit butcherbbq.com. Savings time is here and butcher barbecue offering a discount on all orders placed with butcher's barbecue during the checkout cycle as you're buying stuff use the code july j-u-l-y receive five dollars off your already low shipping costs that will expire at the end of this month which is july order now enjoy your summer time cooking at a discount butcherbbq.com and then in the uh, checkout use promo code july of course, we all know Butcher's Barbecue, well-known for the injections, the pork, the beef, the prime injection, the bird booster, all for sale right now at ButcherBBQ.com. Looking for rubs, looking for sauces, no problem. Got them right there at Butcher's Barbecue as well, the steak and brisket rub, the honey rub, the premium rub. That works especially well if you inject with Butcher's because it is formulated to work with the injection. Perfect one-two punch to impress judges and friends alike. And last but not least, of course, the sweet barbecue sauce. Look. I've made no bones about it. I'm as picky as it comes when it comes to the barbecue sauce. I don't like a lot of stuff that's out there on the market today. A lot of it has been an also rank. Taste one bottle tastes the same as the next bottle. Not here. Dave is taking the time and effort to make a quality sauce. No shortcuts. Great flavor profile. You can use it pretty much on anything. Uh, also works good as a base if you want to get outside the box and add some of your own wares to it. Again, with the shipping, items totaling up to 55 bucks ship at $8.50. With the July code, they ship at $3.50. Items between 55 and 200 ship at $9.75. Or with the July code, $4.75. And of course, anything over $200 ships for free. And no lames. If you buy $200, you don't get $5 back. Come on now. Head on over to ButcherBBQ.com. To stock up right now, that's ButcherBBQ.com. And don't forget, for the rest of the month, use promo code JULY at checkout and receive $5 off your already low shipping cost. ButcherBBQ.com. ButcherBBQ.com. All right, we're back with Sterling Ball right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. Live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. 
This portion of the Barbecue Central show being brought to you by the Sam's Club National Barbecue Tour. 31 cities, 500000 in cash to be won. Eternal bragging rights forever if you win the whole thing. Next Sam's event will be this coming weekend, July 19th in Woodbury, Minnesota. That is a local qualifier feeding into the uh, Rockford, Illinois regional final. That goes down August 2nd. To keep up with the tour or to register to compete, visit kcbs.us slash Sam's Tour. Always appreciate uh, Sam's and the uh, support of the show. Absolutely. All right, my first guest tonight, a captain of many industries. A successful pit master, rub and spice manufacturer, barbecue equipment retailer, and I'm proud to say newest partner to this show. So uh, let's go ahead and head over to the hotline, and let's welcome back pit master of Big Papa Smokers, Sterling Ball, joining me here on the show. Sterling, how are you, buddy? I'm fine. How are you doing, my friend? Doing absolutely fabulous, Sterling. Appreciate you uh, making time for the show tonight. Um, you know, number of different topics that I wanted to hit with you. Um, I guess first, before we uh, start into all of that, uh, where were you cooking this past weekend? Um, Holbrook, Arizona. Holbrook, Arizona. Uh, in 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 terms of geography, uh, how does that relate to like a, a Phoenix or a Scottsdale or something along those lines? It's an hour time zone. It's like a nine hour drive from California. It's a, oh. it's a pretty big um, drive, but they benefit uh, pediatric organ transplants which uh, is really close to my heart and my family. And it's just a town of people really trying hard. And it's um, it's usually 30, 35 teams, and this year it was only 18 teams. Wow. So quite a drop-off. Yeah, and it's something we're kind of seeing uh, geographically this year. Sterling Ball joining us here. Uh, BigPapaSmokers.com is the website if you want to check it out here while we're talking and see everything he's got going on. Sterling, in in regards to a competition season, let's say, uh, at the end of the year when you've finished your last contest and you look ahead to the next year, for instance, 2014, uh, how do you go and plan the schedule for this season? Is it something that you, there are competitions that you just want to do regardless of how many teams? Do you look for the teams that have trended bigger numbers every year? How does it go for the Big Papa Smokers team? Okay, first of all, since I have other kind of things, other responsibilities and other jobs, uh, it, it has to fit into my other work schedule first and also has to fit in my family schedule. But we're, we're sort of empty nesters, but things like Fourth of July and holidays are off limits because I spend a lot of time with my kids on those. So, and then I, I want to have fun. I want to go where my friends are, and I also like um, – I like the, you know, I prefer to be in bigger contests. Uh, I try not to miss the Royal. Uh, are, are you at all invested uh, in trying to, you know, win a, a team of the year uh, type of thing uh, with any sanctioning body? I Man, obviously, you cook a lot of KCBS. Um, is that something that you that you would ever fancy yourself making a run at? I mean, I, I would imagine, given the amount of cooks that you have to do in order to really kind of qualify in that status. Uh, that would be something that you would want to mentally and, and physically and financially prepare for uh, during the course of a competition season. Well, okay. First of all, you know, you have to cook 40 times really to have a chance. And I just don't have that time. And, you know, those guys are great cooks. And the first of all, you got to 
got to prove yourself that you're that good a cook. But no, it's you know I like to see where I end end up. But like last year, you know, I, I cooked 22 contests, and you know I was just trying to get be in the top 10 in one category, and I managed to do that in ports. This year, I'm trying to get into two two categories, so I only use that as just a little uh, sort of a little game. But I, you know, uh, I'm not going to throw away enough contests, and I'm probably not good enough cook. Is it possible for a team? Let's say you know I, I was financially independent and I uh, had nothing but time to kill on my own and I just decided to get out and do you know 40 or cook every weekend for, uh, that there was going to be a competition uh, even though I'm not time or, or, or tested cooker do I have a shot at potentially lucking into a team of the year just by cooking the sheer amount no and I think that'd be disrespectful of the teams that are out there doing it I mean those guys are all really really and gals are really good cooks I think it's interesting to look at the um, the current standings where you got a you know a Donnie at Warren County and you got uh, David Christine Warren I mean uh, uh, American Dream and you got uh, Darren and Sherry at uh, Iowa Smoky D's. Darren could care less during the jack draw. Darren usually takes a nap. I mean the other guys it's really important to him and you know what they're cooking just amazing. So I think it's awesome. I think it's good for barbecue. I think that they need to make some changes in barbecue if they want to keep more people interested. This is uh, why you're a great guest, because you neatly dovetail into uh, a next topical question, which, you know, I mean, you've been doing the competition barbecue thing now, I guess, for uh, four years or so. You know, when you first got into it, fast forward to, you know, where we are today, uh, towards the middle of July in 2014, what are some of, like, the, the big changes of the barbecue landscape that you have seen since you've been in it? Okay, I can only speak personally. For, I, you know, I make one road trip or two road trips here outside of Southern California. I can tell you Southern California is still growing. Southern California is a lot less partying. Uh, Southern California is a lot of guys who's taken a lot of classes. Um, it's, it's tougher than everybody thinks, and I know that there's guys laughing in the background at the shows. I mean, come on out and see. I mean, and and the California teams that are traveling are doing better. But I think it's more serious, but I think it's harder. I think it's harder. Uh, there's more details you have to pay attention to. I think the flavor profiles might move at a little more rapid pace. Um, and I think the kind of ingredients you, you feel like you have to cook, whether you do or not, whether it's compart, direct, pork, or how'd you like that plug, by the way, or, uh, you know, Strew Wagon or Snake River Farms, um, you know, it's, which which is all tying into, I'm sure, it's a topic we're going to get into is the cost. So I think it's got more expensive. I think it's 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 more detail oriented, and I think it's more competitive. As far as 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 far as the detail is concerned that you had mentioned, do you think that uh, to a certain degree that ha- has taken away some of the funness of it, and potentially it has uh, taken away some people that. You know, thought about getting into it and has kept them on the sideline. No, I, you know, I think everybody wants to be good, and I think the one thing with the internet and classes is that if you want to get good, you can get good a lot quicker. And you know, we've got the rubs, and it's amazing how many people buy a bottle of rub and send an email and want a class. <laughs> and you know, we we certainly tell them generally what we do and what people do, but we also encourage them to go out there. 
and, and mix it up yourself. Play around with the stuff. Come up with your own own stuff, you know? Uh, and we mean that in a respectful way. Part To me, part of the joy is out there, and I, I cook more probably than most people. I practice cook a lot. Sterling Ball joining me here on the show, pitmaster of Big Papa Smokers. So to that point, Sterling, if you do a lot of practice cooking yourself, and people are obviously going to come up to people that they see winning or, or higher in the standings, always trying to glean bits of information, tips and tricks and techniques and so forth. Uh, when you are landing on a flavor profile that you think is, is going to win, how long does it take you to craft that to, to where you feel it's something that if you're going to make a change, you would do it? Or uh, perhaps uh, on the opposite side of that, if you see categories starting to fall off a little bit, uh, how far are you waiting or how long are you waiting before you start to make uh, changes to to right that ship? Okay. First of all, I think you've got to be objective. I think you have to not take it so personally. You're going to get bad judging results. But I'm going to tell you something. If five times in a row or three times in a row you think you cook great chicken and you didn't place where you want, it's obviously not the chicken the judges want to taste. So I'll give you a perfect example. After Long Beach, a big contest here, I was really upset because my chicken had missed three times in a row, and I'd worked so hard on it. And uh, so what I did is I cooked 128 chicken breasts that, chicken thighs that week. And we've hit every week since because, you know, you got to listen to those results. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not saying there are problems in judging stuff, but usually if you're getting the same result from city to city and week to week, you got to make an adjustment, and the judges are usually right. So let's talk about that adjustment just for a second, and this maybe is more of a benefit for the uh, peripheral people that, that might kind of track some barbecue competitions, but they don't really follow it, uh, or maybe they're not into it. When you talk about making a change, if you're getting scores that aren't reflective of maybe where you think it is, and as you said, you got to listen to what the judges are saying, start making changes. Where do you start first? Do you start cooking longer? Do you start cooking shorter? Do you start tweaking flavors? I mean, there's so many different variables that go into changing something for a judge. It's got to be almost uh, uh, intimidating to a point to figure out where you should start to make those changes. Well, I mean, and that's the funny thing when you watch people overcorrect or oversteer um, and then get teams that were doing really well and then kind of get whacked out because they didn't go, you you look at, I mean, like David Qualls can tell you what his scoring average in in each city, each region, each category, each meet. He studies that very carefully, works very hard, very smart cook. See, I'm just hoping he places an order after all this buttering up. But look, if, if you're getting a tenderness problem, okay, if your scores or tenderness are costing you, or if it's flavor that's not hitting, or if it's appearance, appearance, you can play with how well you're trimming, how well you're putting in the box, what the color is, what the shine is. If you're getting a tenderness issue, it's a temperature issue usually, uh, a finishing temperature. So I think that the judges give you a little bit. Um, the going plus, you know, out here, we trade food a lot amongst teams. We wear each other's T-shirts. You never know whose team is who. So well, we pretty much, I mean, I know what the guys out here that score, I know what their food tastes like. When we talk about, you know, regions, uh, there was, you know, quite a 
thought that, you know, a couple of years ago, if you were cooking in California a lot and you were going to get out to the Midwest, maybe uh, into Kansas City or uh, maybe venture out to the Southeast, you were going to have to change the flavor profiles to accommodate those judges out there because they were going to have different expectations. And over the last couple of years, it seems that those expectations have started to become a little bit more standard across the board. You know, when you get out of the home base, do you change? Have you kept notes and and kind of seen what is done well? I I, I cook what I cook, you know, and I cook what I'm confident in, and I cook what I feel like I can replicate. And listen, I'm not saying that, first of all, the last thing I want to do is get in any kind of uh, war between what regions that are obviously, you know, the Iowa guys say Iowa rules the world, and Rod Gray, Rod Gray reminds me that Kansas City is a city and that Iowa is a state. So <laughs> um, I decided that because of classes, because of Internet, because of the similar products, and I, and I believe Rod did a lot of that by teaching so many people. And and I think Rod Gray elevated barbecue uh, pretty much more than anybody. When we talk about these items that have really helped ramp the learning curve up quite a bit, uh, one of the things that potentially could be credited to that, even kind of keeping a, more of an active interest uh, overall over the last couple of years, has been the influx of barbecue on the television set. Uh, obviously, you have you know the, uh, the show that everybody knows, Barbecue Pitmasters, which uh, you were a part of one season. And then you've had a number of other shows show up here over the last couple of years, uh, you know, whether they're good or bad, I and mean, certainly that's up for discussion. But do you think on, on the whole that the TV exposure has helped barbecue A as an overall industry? And how do you think that it has affected specifically the competition niche of that uh, portion? You know, I can, I can tell you, you know, you know I'm in the guitar business. And we were involved in Guitar Hero early on. And all the purists say, that's the worst thing that could ever happen. It's a little machine. It's not a guitar. And I said, hey, it simulates the feeling of playing guitar when you hit everything right. And we got very good benefits from it. I would tell people, would you rather it be Tractor Hero or, you know, <laughs> Abacus Hero? No, it's guitar. I think barbecue TV has been unbelievable for it. You know, and I think there's been some good shows. I don't think there's been great shows. I think there's been good shows. And unfortunately, I think there's been some shows that weren't good and they're no longer on the air. But God, I think it's great. I mean, I was signed to... Uh, a development deal this whole last year. And right when we got ready to, to shoot, all the production houses pretty much whacked barbecue. So in a way, they sort of think that, they, that it's over, but, you know, the people at Destination America, original media, those producers have, I think, rightly called that people are still very interested in. Are you surprised, uh, just in a, in, a, in a business sense, that you've seen a uh, a cable network really gravitate and grasp a hold of, uh, of a barbecue thing as much as the Destination America has? No, I think they're really smart. I, I wish more people would. Look, I was, my problem now that sort of people know that I do this is I'll be in a meeting for another business and the person all they want to do is talk about barbecue and ask me about if that guy was injecting right last night. And I hate to tell, I don't really watch television, so it's hard for me. I haven't seen Pit Wars yet. Sometimes I'll, I'll catch up to it. I, I record them, but, uh, you know, and if a friend's on, I'll watch, but generally I am, um, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know whether 
person was doing it right. You said you were in a development deal for a barbecue show, so you know, I don't know if you're allowed to contractually speak about that. But in uh, in sure, not, I just, well, it was hysterical. I would imagine I really, this would have been like your uh, your perfect barbecue TV show, right? No, no. You, unfortunately, it's it's a producer's perfect idea first, and then a network second. And there were certain things that the network wanted to do with me showing the other parts of my life, like in being in my house, that were off limits. Um, and so, no, and it was, I'll tell you, I was, I was signed to Magical Elves, which is does Project Runway and Top Chef, and they're considered really good at that. I enjoyed the process. I, I've been in the music business so long that I didn't count on anything. I mean, it's the entertainment, no matter what you think. It's usually never what what it is. So was this a a show that was going to be following you around as a barbecue guy, but it was also showing uh, the, the the personal life of uh, Sterling Ball as well? Kind yeah, because the, the music thing is sort of interesting too. Yeah. You yeah. know, I, I you know, I'm mean, gonna design guitars for the Rolling Stones for Van Halen for um, George is building one for John Mayer that I did, and um, so that's a, a really big part of my life. I mean. It's been my whole life up until barbecue too. So let me let me ask you something. I have always maintained that you know the best barbecue show that has been on the air so far was that uh, what many refer to as season one of Barbecue Pitmaster. So they were following Trigger Round, they were following Harry Sue, and so forth, and and you kind of got to see other stuff aside from just the competition side of thing. And I said, man, if there was ever a show that was based loosely around barbecue, sounds like uh, the show was for you, but was also able to follow this person around and see what's going on uh, if he's got another job uh, in that professional side of things and followed him home. And, and to me, it seems like the shows that are doing really well, and you know, nothing's being written anymore, and that's a whole different conversation that we can talk about. But as far as the, the reality stuff, the shows that seem to succeed are the ones that people can relate and invest to in week after week. And I think that's where a lot of the shows for barbecue kind of fall short. Somebody wins, they move on. You don't see them again for three or four weeks. But if I see you every week, I can invest into you and, and potentially the show is, you know, a, a success. At least that's my thought. Yeah. I got to be able to sell soap though. You know, you got, you've got to be able to be compelling, interesting. And some of that comes at a, at a personal cost that, I don't want to do nor have to do. And, and you know, maybe maybe it wouldn't be fun watching it. I don't know. You know, you mentioned season one. I think John Marcus did just an absolutely crazy good thing and should always be uh, be commended for for that, that season. It was crazy good. And you know what? It was real because the guys didn't win every week. Actually, I don't think they won. You know, they, they went around, and I think that was one of the problems. It was so expensive, and you know, you're, you're, you're telling the public these are the greatest people in barbecue, <laughs> and, you know, you don't win every week. I mean, some people win a lot more than others, but, you know, I got a pretty good idea what my batting average is. And if you're going to build it just for unwinning, I'm sorry, the wrong guy for sure. Absolutely. Uh, Sterling Ball joining us here on the show. Sterling, uh, can I uh, have you hang through a break here, and we'll uh, pick up on the other side? Are you kidding of course. All right. Uh, Sterling Ball joining me here on the show. All right. Uh, we'll be back with him in just a few minutes. Uh, but first, let me talk to you quickly about Cook Shack. 
Folks, Cookshack's philosophy is a reflection of its origin as a small family-owned business. Cookshack manufactures electric smokers, pellet-fired smoker ovens, pellet-fired charbroilers, and pellet grills. They also sell accessories, sauces, rubs, woods, and pellets to use in the oven and grills. With a variety of sizes, Cookshack can fit the needs of any type of customer, whether you're a backyard guy like me or a competition guy like uh, those guys out there on the circuit. In addition to its employees in Ponca City, Oklahoma, Cookshack has integrated dealer-distributor networks to help sell their products through the United States and internationally. Cookshack provides commercial and competition cooking classes, online recipes, and video cooking classrooms. Check out their website, cookshack.com, their social media group at Facebook, on the Twitter, Pinterest, Google+. They're on all of them, even LinkedIn. Also, they have a world-class barbecue forum that is moderated by Smokin' Russ Garrett. That thing's been around for, like, 50 years, too. On the competition circuit, Cookshack pellet-fired smokers are the choice of many champions. The newest product line is the Fast Eddies by Cookshack, the PG-1000 and PG-500, which are pellet grills that can smoke on the indirect side and grill on the direct side. They're popular with both competition cooks and residential customers alike. Cookshack residential electric smokers are the number one smoker in the industry. In fact, my dad, Bill Rempe, owns a Smokehead, and he loves it. That thing makes jerky like a mother. Uh, your purchase comes with Cookshack's unconditional 30-day money-back guarantee. You don't like it after 30 days? You run it for 30 days, you don't like it? Send it back. Get your money back. Purchase and use of any Cookshack product. And if you're not 100% satisfied, return it within 30 days for the full refund, credit, or replacement. Cookshack is dedicated manufacturer to smoker ovens for genuine pit barbecue and wood-smoked foods. And they continue to develop and improve their products with an inspiration of smoking made simple. For more information about Cookshack products, give them a call, toll-free, 800-423-0698, or visit their website, cookshack.com. Good folks over at Cookshack. All right, we're back with more Sterling Ball from Big Papa Smokers. Right after this, stick around. We'll be right back. Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, we are back. 216-220-0966. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. Sterling Ball joining with uh, joining with me here for the second segment as well. Sterling, appreciate you hanging out here uh, for the second portion. You know, it, a lot of different a uh, lot of different things I want to hit on here. Competition cooking wise, and we were hitting it here just a couple minutes before we got on the the TV tirade. In regards to flavor, Wait, pro- that's not that's not a tirade. I love barbecue TV. Well, tirade uh, takes. I mean, <laughs> I'm talking about passionate talk here when I talk about tirade. Um, yeah. Yeah. The flavor profiles, it seems like when I first started following, you know, barbecue in general, and then I learned there was a competition scene, that there was really kind of a premium put on the pitmasters that would kind of always be on the cutting edge of of changing things up. And then there seemed to be a point in time when things started to uh, vanilla out a little bit and really seems to continue a little bit to this day. Do you think that, you know, holding to, to this what's winning standard of flavor profile is stymie, stymieing any type of creativity, or are you seeing more and more people get a little bit more crazy when it comes to flavor profiles to push that box now? 
Well, actually, I think it's pretty open. I mean, we have with the, with the West Coast offense, which, by the way, does meant dug in cheek. It's two California buddies who figured out their rubs work together. And Steph Franklin, even so, I'm sort of a savory base. And but I mean, a perfect example is Steph Franklin's biggest selling rub is is a sweet seduction, which is almost a peachy one. It's a spicy apple. It's cherry. And these are being used for seasonal. I mean, he's got peppered cow. He's got big and unique flavors that are being used by a lot of people. And that's certainly not cookie cutter flavor. So I believe it, you know, I believe you have to make tender food first and great tasting food, great seasonings. If you focus too much on flavor profile or you over season, I think uh, that that's a problem. But I, I think that there's probably more variety in flavors out there, but there's pretty much, um, you know, you're sort of ruled by the sauces too. I mean, it's a head country blues hog, um, and now the Robert Swamp Boy is making big inroads along with Craig Cherry down there uh, with the Craig's Texas. And I don't want to leave anybody out, but those are, you know, you they sort of dominate your flavor profile, and the rub becomes second to that. Do you think you could not sauce a turn in uh, and do well? Brisket, possibly pork. I don't think you could with ribs or chicken. A lot of people don't sauce brisket, but they do the uh, like the the au jus dunk though, right? To to kick yeah, it up a little uh-huh. bit. In reg- and I know you're a, a kind of a follower of this statistic, but in regards to number of members of an organization, directly related to percent of that population that actually competes, I mean, there's there's a pretty big discrepancy, right? Well, most members, I mean, you don't have to be a member of KCBS to cook. Correct. You have to be a member of KCBS to judge. Do you so, th- I mean, so I mean, what's different. the... I, I think what you're, Greg, I think I know what you're getting at, and, and um, we've got a lot of people just cooking once, and very few people cooking more than 12 times a year. Last year was 147. They got numbers slightly down this year. It's not trending good. And if you look at the real numbers, I think a 500-point team is really somebody that's at the crossroads of really committing or backing off. They generally don't stay at 500 teams. Now, again, I'm only speaking from a few years of experience in studying the numbers. But I look at the numbers like a business, and I'm saying there's a sag at the 500-point that I'd really rather see that as a bump. And I think cost of competing, I think um, I think in certain Areas Iowa, they're a victim of their own success. I think a lot of those teams are tired of paying their entry fee to watch the same guys win every week. I think they feel it's kind of tough. Let's talk about the cost of competing just for a moment here, uh, because I think a lot of people that listen to this show, if they're just coming in or just finding it and they don't know a lot about competition, might think that it's uh, potentially something they could get into and, and start making money at if they get really good at it. And I think it's always important to make sure that we're showing all sides of uh, of the box here. Competing for barbecue isn't necessary. Even if you're like the best cook in the country one year, it doesn't mean that you're going to be, you know, cashing in at half a million or a million dollars a year uh, and everything's good. There's a lot of expense well, to this. Well, right? it's rich, yes. <laughs> uh, th- it, it's, a, it's a huge expense, right, if you're going to be doing this, uh, you know, more than wow. 20, 30 times. Well, first of all, here's the thing. <laughs> I don't think guys really admit to their better half or gals uh. what it really costs. <laughs> and I think a lot, some people really don't know 
but I think it's tremendously expensive for, uh, you know, I'll, I believe that, the, you know, in the last four years, like Wagyu has become significantly important, but there's great cooks who don't cook Wagyu, okay? But, um, you know, I had a little bit of a discussion. I mean, if Merle out in uh, Kansas City, you know, claims to compete for four or 500, and, and I think that's awesome. Uh, it, it's $1,000 for me. And I think it's $1,000 for more people than one admit. And the problem is the way that the payout's distributed. Yep. It's top-loaded to just the very top. So it's, it's really hard to, I mean, you really have to do well quite often to even break even. And that's why I did the guinea pig. What, what do you think on the average? I mean, is it uh, is it incorrect for me? And I always hate to generalize and paint with broad strokes, but because obviously there's some competitions that pay out pretty significantly. But you know, on the average, I mean, what are we looking at? Like, you know, ten or twelve thousand dollars in an overall uh, in an overall well, purse. I don't think it's average because there's a lot of big big. Look at Kansas City's got big numbers in contests and small payouts. Yeah. I mean, they have some big payouts, but a lot of, if you look at the payouts, it's 2500 3500 Those people are all doing it for a different reason and think actually it's pretty pure, the reason. They're out there seeing who can cook bad meat the best with their buddies. Um, but no, I think that you're going to see, unless you do something to put on a better show for the fans and give the sponsors a return, you're going to see um, a couple things. You're going to see smaller purses. You're going to see power being considered a luxury because it's the single most expensive part about putting on a contest. Um, and, you know, I'm a, the reason why I did King of the Smokers was to give these great teams a chance to put on a show and to put on a show for the fans and our host uh, at Lincoln Resort. But, um, you know, I don't think you can expect to pull up, put four sides up on an easy up, not talk to anybody and go home and expect the purses to get bigger. Do you think that at some point there might be a, uh, you know, whether it be through creation of its own or, you know, whatever, a division of something similar to like a, a single, a double, a triple A, uh, you know, for, for baseball or, you know, the, the D League for basketball, something similar to that in, in barbecue sense? And I'm talking about, you know, having a backyard portion at a, at a regular KCBS contest, but, you know, something where, you know, only... Well, a fair amount. I mean, I think it starts with kids queue. Um, I think you need a path to a path to the top. And you know, this is going to be the most controversial thing I say, probably. And I believe that if you don't have it at the contest, you ought to have it statistically. Somebody ought to say, "Listen, I'm only cooking five contests. How do I stack up?" Okay. And uh, barbecue scores is doing that this year. Okay, they're doing five and under. They're doing. Uh, 12 and under, they're doing 13 to 24 and 25 and over. So you can really set a goal. Like, I want to be the best chicken cooker that cooks five times. And I can't imagine having a tennis club or any kind of sporting deal, since we do like to call ourselves a sport, where there's only one ladder and that's the open ladder. So whether it happens at a competition or not is one thing, but I think absolutely you need to give people... Uh, Rewards, and you need to give people a feeling that that the thing that they're spending their kids' orthodontics or college money on is actually um, there's a place for them to be recognized. Sterling Ball, the pitmaster of Big Papa Smokers, joining me here on the show. BigPapaSmokers.com is the website. Uh, but 
Let me ask you something here, uh, and I know you're busy, and I'll turn you loose after that, but there's maybe a running misconception that Big Papa's uh, elite team is something other than, than what it is. So instead of going through what the uh, perception or speculation is, right from the horse's mouth, uh, maybe a, a straight dope explanation on uh, what the Big Papa elite team is all about. Okay, they're brand ambassadors. They're chosen because they're like-minded. They're not getting anything other than some rope, but what they're really getting is camaraderie, collaboration. It's a very tight-knit group, but more importantly, and you know, it's funny, they set this up where we could have brand ambassadors that were competing for a local charity that might not be getting any bigger attention and really be providing something good, you know, Charity, you don't really want to scream at. Some people have attacked me for the charity side of it. And what I really think is we didn't tell our story good enough. So, I mean, things can happen at a Sands Club, and people will whisper about it if it's negative, and everybody in barbecue will know. But if you if you, if you tell people very nicely three or four times that, that 16 teams are going to raise over $30,000 for pediatric or children's charities, it's something you have to keep repeating. So it's going to be on the easy up. I mean, like in uh, the Pacific Northwest, uh, J.D. and Ron out wine country, they're, uh, they're, they're, they're working hard for a kid's camp, for disabled children who can't afford uh, camp. Uh, well, Lucky Q is a good children's cancer uh, and a family cancer situation. Darren's Juvenile Diabetes, Iowa. Okay, a true bud just did a great job for a, a charity in Kansas City. And the funny thing is, after getting involved with them, placing the money with the elite team, they've actually gotten involved in the charity. They've done two fundraisers for them. So this is a chance. I mean, if if most of the contests we cook are benefits for something, I see nothing wrong with having a group of guys and gals get together and cook in a friendly competition within a competition and help children. Sterling, let me ask you quickly about uh, King of the Smokers. Obviously, that's a, an event that will happen, uh, you know, five months from now or whatever it is, uh, and really yeah. has, has risen to prominence uh, over the two years of its existence as being the competition uh, to get an invite for and to take part in. How is it shaping up for this year, bigger and better than ever? Yeah, but it's, it's just, it, it's, it's awful having to pick. Um, and, and you know what? I gotta explain something. As far as the, the sort of attacks on the elite team or whatever, there's more. There's more positive to that. And anytime you're winning, that happens. You know, nobody can really love you. Some people don't hate you. And the thing is, if King of the Smokers was a failure or an average contest, maybe there'd be a little less. Um, uh, uh, you know. Listen, we buy tabloids. We don't buy feel-good stuff. The fact is, at the, the banquet this year, the King of the Smoker was mentioned on more teams' bucket list than any. I mean, it's really an awesome contest. It's really a level playing field. It's good money. It's great times. And I think we've sort of elevated the fan experience for barbecue. Uh, and when do you have the dates picked out for that already? December 12th. Number twelve. So yeah, yeah I mean, the Resort, which is a five-star resort, uh, it's and they they have their cookers out in front of their their individual casinos. A uh, one lucky team actually cooks at Christmas time in front of the uh, cottage that Frank Capper wrote. It's a wonderful life. 
Sterling Ball, again, the pit master of Big Papa Smokers. Again, the website, bigpapasmokers.com. Uh, Sterling, always appreciate the time, and we'll have to do this again soon. Really appreciate it. All right, thank you, Greg. Keep up the good work. Thank you, sir. There he is, Sterling Ball. Thank you. Big Papa Smokers. I like a guy that can run down two segments without blinking an eyelash, and uh, I roughly covered about a th- 75%. <laughs> I still got 35% left. We, I needed to talk about cooking classes. I needed to talk about the rub business. Just a lot of stuff to talk about. I mean, here's a guy that has seen, you know, success. Successful in competition, for sure. But in many different facets of the business. So, and in a short period of time. So, it's always good to get a perspective. And, you know, to me, a guest is going to be somebody that has personality and, and passion and has views that they're not afraid to share, which is something that I certainly appreciate as a host. So, you know, I want somebody to come on and just be straight up vanilla. I mean, just tell me what you think. It's fine with me. Sterling Ball, Big Papa Smoke. It's all right. We'll wrap up the second hour when we come back. But first, I'm going to talk to you about Stephen DeFranco Jewelers. Seller of fine watches. That's right. How about bowl of a watches? Why spend a ton of money on a watch if you don't have to? Bowl of a watch is stylish, affordable, starting under 200 bucks. Comes in traditional quartz styles, retro-styled automatic versions. Chronograph skeletons and traditional styles fill out the bowl of a line of timepieces. There's this thing called the Precisionist. I own one of those. Bought it from Stephen DeFranco myself. Want the most accurate watch in the world? The Bull of a Precisionist is that watch. The exclusive movement on the Bull of a Precisionist breaks down the second-hand movements into 16 segments per second, giving the second-hand a smooth-moving appearance. Steel and titanium versions are available as well. The Bull of Accutron, high-end without the high-end price. The Cadillac of the Bull of a line. The Accutron is the pinnacle of high-end design without breaking the bank. Starting below 600 bones, the Bolova Accutron watch gives you the high-end style, quality, and lifestyle without breaking that bank. Now, Citizens, you gadget junkie, Citizens, the perfect watch for the gadget guy or gal. EcoDrive technology converts light into energy, powering your watch perfectly and accurately. Need a timer for your barbecue cooking? Some Citizens have multiple timers along with alarms in multiple time zones. How about Philip and Company watches, that cottage watchmaker out there on the west side of Cleveland? You know, many high-end European watch companies use Swiss movements from a company called ETA. Philip hand-assembles his watches personally using ETA movements and hand-picked components. Starting at just under $900, Philip's watches not only have an elegant European style, but they are affordable. All of Philip's watches are serial numbered and registered with Philip himself. All watches from Stephen DeFranco Jewelers come with the exclusive watch performance package that includes one-year extension of the manufacturer's warranty, free engraving, free watch batteries for life of the watch, free polishing cloth. He'll set the time for you before he sends it. All this at no charge for shipping. Here's how you do it. StephenDeFranco.com. Pick out the watch you want. Call him, 440-943-2700. Ask for Steve. Then tell him your barbecue brother or sister, and he'll give you the real discounted price. Off your new watch. He's not allowed by the manufacturer to share the real discount price. Uh, StephenDefranco.com, 440-943-2700. Ask for Steve directly. Tell him I told you to call. You'll be happy you did. John Marcus is happy that you did. You got to watch. We're back to wrap up the first hour right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back.
Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue. It's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, welcome back. Thanks again to Sterling Ball, pitmaster of Big Papa Smokers, for joining me. First two interview segments in the first hour. If you missed it, race back to the archives, which will be posted a little bit later this evening. I actually think I have those to be executed at 11.55 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So if you're joining me late, maybe just punching in now. Can't do anything at the moment, but you can go back around midnight tonight or tomorrow, however that works. Hey, what is midnight? It's the next day, right? You can get the podcast right there. It'll be great. You can listen to Sterling breakdown uh, rubs and flavor profiles and contests and how things are shrinking and TV and all that stuff. BigPapaSmokers.com is his website. In the second hour, we will be joined by Meathead Goldwyn. I meant to try and work out a competition. Competition? Another giveaway. But we have Meathead for two segments, so it would be tough to fit in this week. But next week, I'm going to try and get with some of the show partners to see if they're interested in doing a, a winery or rehab or a porn star or athlete or cheese or font. Get some more stuff. A lot of people emailing in after the last couple weeks saying, man, that contest was great. Wish I could have taken part. You should do more of that. Yeah, why? Because you like free stuff? No kidding. 216-220-0966. That's the phone number. Greg at the BBQ Central Show.com. We have a number of different things to get into at the top of the second hour, if I may tease you. We'll talk about some guests next week. We'll talk about how perhaps, perhaps a man has stabbed a woman and burned her over hot coals. Talk about a human barbecue. What do they say? Don't stick the meat with fork or tongs or now you let all the juices run out. Hey, uh, same thing with a person. Don't stick them in the throat. The juices will run out. Craziness. I'll let you in on that. Absolutely. We'll talk a little bit about where the Sam's Club series is going to be going to next week. All that and more in the second hour. You are listening and watching the Barbecue Central show. Right here on the Barbecue Central Networks. Again, video streaming at OutdoorCookingChannel.com. You can find it on the Roku in the App Store. Find Outdoor Cooking Channel in that App Store. Download. Choose the live link. You can also get it, the audio stream, live on iTunes in the radio section under News and Talk. Look for Barbecue Central Show. I'm there. Stitcher, Blueberry. The list is vast. Extraordinary and otherwise. So... Just figure out a way to get the show live. And if you can't get it live, subscribe. You can get everything you need right there on the show webpage, thebbqcentralshow.com. All right, uh, stick around. We'll be right back after this.
Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Fine, how's it going? You have a great show, I'm a big fan. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish! What? We ate Vinci for wieners. But listen, Laverne, it's shake a face. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seeds. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Ooh. Top men. All right, just like that, we are into the second hour, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. This is the Barbecue Central Show. We talk about all things important in the world of barbecue and grilling right here each and every Tuesday. Thank you for making time this evening. This show broadcasts and originates from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, rapidly becoming known as the Barbecue Capital of the North Coast, or as we call it, since last Friday around noon, home again to King James, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, the king's back, baby. Yeah. I can't believe it. He's back, bitch. Of course, that's the big news uh, at the end of this past week that LeBron James is uh, coming back home. The uh, chickens will, the, what is it? The, the chickens will come home to roost. The hens will come home to roost. Whatever. However it is. Uh, Still to come tonight, Meathead Goldwyn will be joining us. Poultry, pitmasters, clubs, so forth. Love talking with Meathead. Uh, Up on the show next week to talk about the uh, World Food Championships television show that uh, also premiered on July 10th, which happened to be my birthday. I won't stop until I get a midday birthday suits. Mike McLeod will be joining us, so we'll uh, talk to Michael. See how, uh, you know, I'm interested to hear how the network communicates back to him on how that, well, it would have probably be uh, two shows by then. But what kind of feedback that the network gives to him saying, oh, this show is a a tank. Uh This is a bad idea. We're never doing this again. Or if they don't say anything. Or if they're like, oh, this show's great, everybody. We're making it hand over fists. We got a 15 share. I don't even know what a 15 share means, but that sounds like a lot in television terms. So Mike will be able to potentially lend insight into what kind of feedback he gets. I would be, I mean, you know, that's his baby. So I would want to be getting all the feedback all of the time. Plus other guests, potentially one of the icons in the industry, Stephen Reichler, could be joining us as well. Stay tuned for that. And then there's this burger spicier than pepper spray sends UK journalists to the hospital. Uh If you can't handle the heat, then stay out of the kitchen. 
and try to avoid the hospital as well. Two British journalists were hospitalized after biting into a burger that contained a spicy sauce said to be hotter than the ingredients used in pepper spray. Aaron Hendy and Rory Barrett were dining at UK Eatery Burger Off. Each took a bite of the Triple X Hot Chili Burger. Minutes later, Barrett began suffering from severe stomach pain and soon lost feeling in his hands. His legs also began shaking and his eyes rolled back into his head. Reports of the Argus, that's the newspaper here. While Hendy was initially okay, this is the other guy, within two hours of his burger bite, burger bite, he began experiencing similar symptoms to his colleague and went to the hospital where Barrett had already been admitted. According to the Burger Off's Facebook page, this isn't the first time restaurant patrons have been put in the hospital for biting into the fiery burger. It was hard to walk. I needed to drink milk to neutralize the burning, which was hard because I was hyperventilating so much and my hands were seized up, Barrett said to the Argus. Hendy said he experienced more extreme symptoms. I was in so much pain, I was telling people I felt like I was going to die. It was embarrassing, but I felt that way. If you're thinking of trying this burger for a dare, just don't. Well, I agree with you, Mr. Hendy. Just don't. As a matter of fact, let's address Triple X Burger for crying out loud. Look, I understand that, you know, people, restaurants, and it's not it's not just restaurants. I mean, they're only giving the public, they're putting something on the menu that is going to create buzz. I get it. Setting yourself apart from the other burger places there in the Englands. I'm sure there's at least, you know, tens and tens of those. But the, the chili, like Scott Roberts, for instance, you know, our fiery food, well, the official sauce and rub reviewer of the Barbecue Central show, but he's also top men in the fiery foods industry dealing with those scorpion death ass blow peppers and the the ghost chili extract and all this other stuff the capucin blah 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 million on the scovilles serious stuff really these people eat them too you ever youtube people eating ghost peppers and having like that time-lapse camera on their face like they're fi- after five minutes, they look like they've been cooking in a radiation oven. That's a nightmare. So, a couple uh, thoughts. Word of the wise here. If anything requires you through the eating establishment that you're in to sign a waiver of liability, you might want to know how hot it's going to be before you buy it into it. Just a word to the wise. Also, if, and I don't know how much time elapsed between these two guys biting into the burger. I'm imagining seconds. But if there was enough time that passed to see, you know, the one guy start sweating and his eyes rolling back into his head and his hands seizing... I don't know if that would encourage me to then take my bite. I don't care if I met a $10 bet with this guy. I'd give the guy $10. As a matter of fact, I'd shove it into his convulsing mouth. Here's $10. Beat it. I'm not going to do that. Because who, in the end, who wants to end up in the hospital after having only one bite? 
of a burger. I mean, you got 99% of the burger left. It's a complete waste of money. Not only that, you've cost yourself more money by going to the hospital. You got to pay for emergency room bills, potential specialists. You might have to pay for medication that's neutralizing all of the fiery stuff that you ate. Well, all that one bite. I mean, you are costing yourself money hand over fist. And for what? To say you ate the triple eggs burger? Don't put that stuff. Restaurants, human beings cannot get out of their own way to not be stupid. Don't help perpetuate the stupidity of humans by putting stuff on your menu that you damn well know. Could put people in the freaking hospital. Just stop it. Triple X burger. If it's more than pepper spray, because that, that will bring a man to his knees. A 300-pound muscular man to his knees. I don't want it in my mouth. You get pepper spray put in your mouth. You don't want that. So stay away from the hot-ass burger in the Englands. Not only that, there's this. Man stabs woman, burns her with hot coals. This is uh, in New York. An Inwood man is under arrest after throwing a woman onto the hot coals from an overturned grill and then stabbing her with a barbecue utensil. According to the authorities, the incident happened Saturday night when Frederick Walker, 43, pushed over a grill on Bayview Avenue in Inwood and then shoved the 56-year-old woman onto the hot coals. Bitch, I'm going to cook. I'm going to barbecue you. Dumps over the thing, pushes her down there. Maybe he had like one of those friends one of his friends, like on all fours, just like right behind the woman, and he pushes her. She's like, oh, lands on the hot coals. I'm searing on my back. Hurry, turn me. So pushes this woman, 56 years old, could break a hip aside from being burned, striking her head against the sidewalk before he stabbed her in the neck. What? Another man tried to intervene and was burned by the hot coals as well. Walker being charged with third-degree criminal possession of a weapon and three counts of second-degree assault. Just three counts? Sweet Mary Lorraine. I don't want to say this woman's going to be scarred for the rest of her life. But come on. Seared over hot frame, uh, hot flames and then Stabbed in the neck with a barbecue utensil. I mean, who knows what that could have been? Probably not sanitary either. Might have been cutting chicken earlier. Meathead coming up out of the break. Big Papa Smokers, the one-stop shop for anyone interested in barbecue, featuring a comprehensive selection of American-made grill spices, sauces, accessories, even a kit that gives you everything you need to make a world-class smoker out of a 55-gallon drum. Big Papa Smoker has made a name for itself by making an award-winning line of championship rubs. The rubs have won almost every major competition barbecue event, including the 2012 and 13 World Series of Barbecue in Kansas City, the 2012 Jack Daniels Invitational, 2013 Kingsford Challenge, and the 2014 Houston Livestock and Rodeo, and many more to come. Big Papa Smoker is also banded together with fellow California-based barbecue rub company Simply Marvelous Barbecue to form what has now become the West Coast Offense. Defying conventional wisdom, the two California-based barbecue rub makers have pin-cornered the market of competitive barbecue and begun to redefine the flavor profile that competitive cooks 
from across the country have begun to aim for. They've even created two of their own unique competitions. King of the Smoker, which brings the best of the best in the barbecue head-to-head in a back-to-back basic competition. King of the Smoker is unique, and the contestants aren't allowed to use any electric devices such as pellet cookers or pit miners. Contestants are just allowed to use charcoal wood and their wits to win one of the most high-stakes barbecue competitions around. The other competition that Big Papa Smokers has started is known as the Guinea Pit, which is also a cost-controlled competition that helps to bring in newcomers to the competitive barbecue arena. It also features prize distribution all the way down to 10th place in each category, which helps provide incentive to get new competitors into the world of competition barbecue. On top of that, Big Papa's has created a unique brand ambassador program. We just talked to Sterling about that last segment. The Big Papa Smokers Elite Team, featuring 15 of the best competition teams in the country, working together to promote camaraderie, competition barbecue, and most importantly, to benefit children's charities across the U.S. Keep in mind that Big Papa Smokers has been able to do all of that within only four years of being in business, turning the competition world on its proverbial head, creating their own unique competitions, becoming a staple of a nationwide restaurant chain, and benefiting children's charities across the U.S., it's just the beginning for Big Papa Smokers. Again, the website, BigPapaSmokers.com. That's BigPapaSmokers.com. Newest sponsor of the show, by the way. Thank you, Sterling, and all the good folks over there at Big Papa Smokers. All right, uh, we're coming back with Meathead Goldwyn right after this. Stick around. Be right back. Broadcasting live from the Barbecue Central Radio Network Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Radio Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. 216-220-0966. You can also email the show, greg at thebbqcentralshow.com. As always, the second Tuesday of each month. Wow, look at this guy. Uh, the second Tuesday of each month brings none other than the creator of the AmazingRibs.com website, Meathead Goldwyn, joining us here on the show. Meathead, uh, where are you? High atop some building, it sounds like. No, you cannot hear me. No, I, 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 where are you? It sounds like the wind is blowing. Ah, we, I am uh, come today to talk to you about uh, Le Poulet. Le Poulet? Le Poulet, the chicken. Le Poulet, the and, and, and Le Bron. The, the My friend, the Bron. Hey, hey, Meathead. Ask me how the Cleveland Cavalier of, of Barbecue is doing today. How is the Cleveland Cavalier of Barbecue today? We're back, baby! Yeah! <laughs> All is forgiven, wow. eh? <laughs> hey, I mean, can you imagine that as we sit here and talk Tuesday night, that a mere few days ago, uh, right around lunchtime this past Friday, you know, the collective breath of Cleveland was being held for an extra 24 hours. I mean, we had heard that it was going to happen, and, you know, all the big shots at ESPN were not committing, but giving you their best nod and wink that he was going to be coming back. And then 
when nothing was announced Thursday, it was like, <gasps> and then Friday at lunch, it drops. The essay is written in uh, sportsillustrated.com. And I'm telling you, for as bad, and it, it could, that, the way he left four years ago is the textbook example of how never to leave a city, especially if you're the prodigal son, you're the best guy in the business, and to rip that city's heart out on national television and then do all that bull crap he did with Dwayne Wade. The essay that he wrote cured all. And now, not only that, Meathead, can you believe that we are the odds-on favorite to win the NBA title next season? I don't believe it. Vegas has the odds up within oh, minutes. Jesus. We are three to one odds to win the championship. I I, I heard he ha- he made the announcement before a joint session of Congress with the president, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, and the Supreme Court in the audience because he wants everybody to know he was on the up and up. Well, I heard that the president wasn't there. He was too busy cutting in line at Franklin's <laughs> Barbecue. Are you going to show pictures of that? Oh, my Lord. Uh, no, I don't have any ready. Oh, oh, there were pictures on, on the Internet, on the interwebs, uh, how he, uh, he, he got to the front of the line at Franklin Barbecue. Yeah. Uh, uh, I wasn't able to hear your uh, lead-in tonight, so uh, did you talk about that? No, I just mentioned it now because, look, let's be honest here, Meathead. If I was ever going to be making my way to Austin, Texas, mm-hmm. and I know Aaron Franklin, and you would be fooling yourself, Centralites, you're fooling yourself if you think that I wouldn't be making a well-placed phone call slash text message slash beg to Dang. get the backside and get on the uh, the cook's table or the picnic table that's back there by the smoker. I am right. not waiting in line for three hours. I won't. It would. I might wait in line for three hours for sex, but not <laughs> barbecue. I'm sorry. There's just no way. You? Um, no, I uh, I hate waiting in line. I won't wait in line if at the bank if they're getting ready to give me money. Um, I just absolutely hate waiting in lines. Uh, I've had the acquaintance of Aaron. I don't know him that well, uh, but I would pull every string yes. I could to get it uh, around back too. Look, uh, the, the president has far more. I mean, sure, we can make the arguments of why was he there, blah blah blah. I I must point out that my day job was affected with him being in Austin because I had a flight that was supposed to go take a casino junket to Santa Fe. Well, you can't get in and out of the Austin airport when, uh, you know, Air Force <laughs> One is there. Nobody can go in or out. No, no, no. But he's got way more important things to do than wait in line of course he for does. three hours than those common folk. I would have done the same thing. I'd be like, bitch, I'm well, the I president. Mean, he's, got, he's, he's got to defend himself against the lawsuit from uh, John Boehner. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he's got places to be. All right. Uh, All right. Meathead Goldwyn we're, joining we're, us we're here. here to t- I am today. I am a tete de viande. I am the head of be- of anim- uh, of meat. I am uh, uh, here talking about the uh, the national dish of France. But everybody loves chicken. Everybody eats chicken. Um, and if time permits, we'll talk some about duck and goose and turkey. But chicken will be our focus. All right. One thing that I wanted to mention. Well, first of all, I got to say we got, we're in a different perspective from you uh, in the uh, broadcast control room for Meathead. Usually, we're looking off to your right hand shoulder and back. But ah, I have a new camera. I was going to say your camera fidelity tonight is outstanding. I have a high res, wow. high def 
fancy Dan camera. And you do. Um, Look at that. And, wow. uh, and it's right on top of my – I have two monitors. And uh, normally uh, the camera is on the monitor on the right and yeah. it's lower. So I have whatever. I, wow. I've got a, I actually got a real camera. It looks great. I mean, much improved. Appreciate that. I'm glad better you could. Better lighting, too. You're, you're hiring 50 people to run the damn website. You couldn't shuck out 100 bucks for a better camera after five years. <laughs> I said, wow, this, I think it was like 100, 150 yeah. bucks. It's a heck of a nice camera. Yeah, oh, it's it's first time I use it, I just plugged it in and it ran. Plug and play, baby. All right. So before we get into the uh, poultry stuff, uh, very quickly, if you could uh, bring us up to speed on the new offering at American uh, American at AmazingRibs.com, which is the uh, like the, the Pitmasters Club. Oh, um, uh, thank you. Yep. Um, I appreciate you giving me the chance to talk about that. Yep. It's something new. Um, uh, there, it, it's got two purposes. Uh, um, uh, we have uh, a lot of people come through that website. Um, Four million page views in the last 30 days. Wow. Uh, more than a million visitors. Um, but about a third of them are real regulars. They come back all the time. They read. They study. And um, they have some interesting questions. So we set up something called the Pitmaster Club with a special uh, discussion session board. And uh, once a month, not every week, I'm going to do I'm going to attempt to do something like you. I'm going to interview somebody once a month. You will be among my stellar guests somewhere down the line. Wonderful. And uh, we'll try to focus on a very limited subject like you're doing tonight. I mean, basically, I'm copying you, but just once a month, just really focused in on a really good subject with a really good spokesperson. Uh, I'm calling them Pitmaster Seminars. Um, And it's there are a few other benefits where I have a. Possibly you and your free listeners know about my famous yes, meat temperature guide. That's right. There's a new one. This is the new one. It's twice as big. It's got a lot more temperatures and pictures on it, and it's selling for ten bucks on Amazon. And members of the Pitmaster Club get that for free. And um, it costs twenty three ninety five to join. And the second purpose of the club is to try to raise money so I can do bigger and better things with the website. Easy and enough. Also finance my trip to Paris this fall. For, so you can explore chicken. It, the very first meal I'm, I'm taking—it's our 40th, 40th anniversary, and ah, um, my wife has never been to Paris. And I got there years ago when I was in the wine business. Yeah. And so we're going to Paris for the 40th anniversary. And I've already pledged the very first meal I'm going to eat when I hit um, uh, Paris is going to be a, um, a, ch- a roast chicken. There's a region called Brest, B-R-E-S-T, not A-S-T. E-A-S-D, Breast, which is famous for its um, chickens, and they say that they taste noticeably different than the factory farm chickens we have here, and I can't wait to get my teeth into a breast chicken. Is there anything specifically that makes these chickens taste different? Is it just because they're They're from French? They're they're truly free-range. That is to say they walk around in the yard, and they peck at the ground, and they eat um, seeds and bugs and um, uh, they get some seed. Um, it, it's just a different breed. You know, in, in the United States, our chickens are um, on the market within uh, two months. They go from a little tiny chick to three and a half to four pound fryers in two months. Two months. That is massive growth. <laughs> and um, we've touched upon this before, 
but it causes all kinds of problems. This is a new breed that they've grown. They're, they stand in this little tiny what's called battery cages. Um, free range is a term that they use now, but it only means that the door is open and they can wander into a fenced-in yard if they want. Most of them don't want to. It's scary out there. It's bright. They know where they live. They don't go outside. So they're not really wandering around like they do in a farmyard in Brest. Um, and um, uh, we're accustomed to them. I mean, they're a blank palette. They have the potential to absorb and for us to create all kinds of flavor on them, whereas in um, a small farm-raised chicken, and, and you can get them here in the, this country at farmer's markets, um, you get a chicken that has real distinctive flavor. And uh, I just can't wait to try what a real French free-range chicken tastes like. It, it, it seems so simple. I mean, it's not a, a ribeye or something spectacular. Yep. But if you do it right, chicken has a lot of character. Yeah, I absolutely agree, and I think a lot of it has to do with you know how you're cooking it, and you know mm -hmm. things that you are starting out with uh, to bring those flavors to life. Uh, so, where's a, a good place to start? I mean, poultry is obviously a vast subject. Chicken is a vast subject on its own. Uh, is it something that we want to start with? Uh, you know, uh, when it grows up and how it's slaughtered about, and, and then it uh, gets to the table. I mean, do we want to start with safety stuff? Where do we want to, to run? I think we've, let's start with safety because yeah. anything we say about chicken has to be underscored by the fact that the modern method of factory farming chicken um, is um, uh, very efficient. It gets us chicken at a very cheap price. Um, uh, it, create, it gets protein on the market at rock-bottom prices. Um, but it, it, it is potentially hazardous. This is a factory line, moves very fast. They take the chickens, they dunk them in water to, be, to, to, to get the, the, the feathers out. Uh, they dunk them in water again to rinse them clean. Um, uh, and it, once that water gets contaminated with, with poop, then that poop gets transferred from bird to bird. Um, in February this year, just this year, Consumer Reports cover story um, uh, reported that they went around the country and bought 300-plus chicken breasts, and they tested them all for microbes. And uh, of the 306, I think they tested, 90% had pathogenic microbes, really? like salmonella and E. coli. Ugh. And of those, half of them had antibiotic-resistant microbes <laughs> so the lesson here is is we've got to start with safety you have to cook chicken care carefully and safely you have to handle it safety safely the current wisdom is is you don't wash it when you wash it you spatter you spray and you aerosolize um uh whatever is on the skin and if that is bad guys um, it gets on the dish drain and on the sink uh, back and the, uh, and, and, and the uh, knobs on the sink. And so the current wisdom is is you just unwrap it and um, uh, you prep it for cooking. You wipe down the counters thoroughly with a, with a uh, cleanser, hopefully with a chlorine base. You treat chicken like kryptonite. Um, you treat it like it's potentially poisonous. You don't let it sit in the refrigerator above vegetables where it can drip. Um, you double bag it. Um, uh, and if you treat it with respect and you handle it carefully, it's a great meal. Um, and it can be really tasty. Um, but if you slip up and you goof up, 
somebody's going to get a tummy ache or worse, and it can be worse. Do you think that there would ever be a time, this is going to be ludicrous for me to say, of course, but with all of the care, and, and maybe a lot of people don't really, well, let me ask you to speculate if you could or pontificate if you could. What, what percentage of, of people do you think are completely unaware of how potentially hazardous chicken can be when not even handled in a somewhat respectable manner? You know, the population of America covers such broad range of depth and breadth, racial and ethnic, educational. Um, I think a lot has been said publicly. It's been in the news. It's been in the newspapers. It's talked about. But if you don't read the newspapers, if you don't speak English, if you are not watching the 6 o'clock news, it may have escaped you. And it may be an issue. And um, the uh, CDC, the Centers for Disease Control, has something they call the morbidity report. I think it comes out weekly and it reports outbreaks. And um, salmonella poisoning from chicken is fairly common. Um, uh, I don't think I've ever had it, but I've had some pretty god-awful tummy aches. And I know everybody listening has at one time or another. That so-called 24-hour flu is not the flu. It's another virus, and it's usually some sort of norovirus or uh, food poisoning. Uh, we used to call it food poisoning. Now it's called foodborne illness is the new politically correct term. Do you think that there might be a faction of people that know and go, well, it's, it's just not going to happen to me? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we call yeah. those people stupid where I come from. hey yo. <laughs> I, I mean, you, you just you, you do the best you can. You try. I mean, um, we know that, for example, on the barbecue circuit, uh, we've talked about this before. Um, we've, we, we don't need to get into it because it's complicated and take a long time. We want to talk about cooking. Yeah. But killing microbes, um, USDA and all the scientists say um, uh, you take chicken up to 165. Well, it, at 165, it takes seven seconds to pasteurize. It's not sterilize. It's pasteurize. It's right. a minor difference. Right. To, to pasteurize the chicken. Well, that's seven seconds. But at 160, it takes like a minute. And 155, it's like five minutes or so. I forget the exact numbers. There's a table that they produce. They don't tell you about it because it's complicated. So you can actually cook chicken to a lower temperature. But if you hold it at that temperature for a while or if it's gradually moving up. So you can remove chicken at a lower temperature. And we know the competition cooks are starting to do this. We also know, and, and, and it bears a good deal of risk, uh, we also know that all your cookbooks are wrong about, um, they all say, cook until the juices run clear. Yeah. Um, and we've talked about this very briefly, but it bears repeating. Um, uh, the juices of the chicken used to, chickens used to take longer to grow. These new breeds, um, they're on the market within two months. And what happens is, is the ends of the bone, like at that place where the drumstick meets the thigh, that joint yep. is one of the, most tender and delicate and uh, coldest parts of the bird, that bone end has not calcified properly in that such a young bird. It hasn't hardened over. And the insides of the bone is where blood is made. And although the blood is drained from the chicken, occasionally you see a little vein or artery in there, but the ends of the bone are often bloody. 
and you'll cut into those things. And I've done it, and perhaps your readers who cook, and, and, and all, I, I presume most of your readers have digital thermometers now. They know how to cook. Um, you, you can cook it up to 180, and you know it's 180. You know yeah. it's safe. Yeah. And you cut that bird open, and you look at the thigh, and yeah, your freak. wife says, I'm putting it in the microwave. <laughs> yeah. And it's like, right. it's 180. It's safe. It's pink. It's yeah. bloody. Yeah. Um, it's scary. And, and you know, I know I've cooked chicken to 155 and I know it's safe and I've done it right. I've done it carefully with all the instruments that I have. And when I see pink chicken, it still gives me the, G- the heebie-jeebies. I'm just still a little nervous well, about it. I so. think it's been so pounded into your head for, it's not just years, but decades that just the, the visual appearance of it, as you said, huh? you know everything's fine. You know you did it right, but when you see it, you're like, yeah, maybe I didn't. I don't have problems with a little pink in my in my pork. No, me neither. But when I see pink in my chicken, it's like, ew. <laughs> so well, it's an issue. When you have people that run the most heavily trafficked barbecue and grilling website saying you should treat chicken like kryptonite, you're probably going to be a little skittish. Yeah. Yeah. But don't stop cooking chicken. No, and I, cook it well, cook it properly. And I'm going to suggest, as we get into cooking technique in a short bit, um, some techniques that will help guarantee safety. All right. Uh, so uh, maybe before we get into that, what uh, what do you want to talk about? Like a seasoning or uh, preparing the chicken or what? Well, let's get some terminology defined. Um, uh, the standard chicken that you buy in the store is called a fryer or a broiler. And they're, they're essentially the same thing. Yep. They run three to four pounds. They're about two months old. And they're good all-round birds. They're tasty. They're tender. They're juicy. Um, they're bred to have big breasts because... Not going there. Um, um, <laughs> there's also um, Cornish game hens or rock Cornish game hens. These are not game birds. These are not a different breed. They're just only, they're just smaller birds, about two to two and a half pounds, and they're only about five, six weeks old. So they're just harvested at a younger age. That's yeah. all. Regular chickens harvested at a, at, at a then, then there's an even smaller type, you don't see it very often, called Poussin, um, P O U S S I N. And they're really very small, very young birds, usually less than a month and less than a pound. They look like quail or something. And they're, they're kind of fun to play with if you can find them. Uh, and, you know, something I get from my readers all the time that I, your readers may not be or your listeners may not be aware of, even your local grocery store has somebody in the butcher department who orders meat. And you got to get down there and meet this person. What you do is you cook up a slab of ribs one day and show up early in the morning before things get crazy. The butcher, show, the head butcher shows up early and just wander in there with a slab of ribs and say, here, I brought you a little something for lunch and get to know your butcher because he or she, and it's often she now, um, can order anything you want. You're trying to get brisket. You can't find anything but two pound or four pound flats. Yeah. They can get you a whole brisket. They'll get you a prime brisket. They'll get you a wa- whatever you want. They can get it. It may take three or four days, but often they can get it. You want a whole hog. You want a, a suckling pig. They can almost always order because they have suppliers, wholesalers, and they know they have the book. It may not be on the shelf of the store. So if you want a Poussin, 
you want a brace of Poussin, uh, you know, a, a dozen little tiny one-pound birds to serve everybody at the table, um, go to your butcher and they'll remember you're the guy that brought them the ribs and say, I'd like to have a dozen Poussin. And they'll say, I can get it to you by Friday. I, I, the price may be negotiable, but you uh -huh. can usually get whatever you want from these guys. All right. Uh, Meathead Goldwyn joining me here on the show. Meathead, I'm going to put you on hold just for a second. We'll come back here uh, right after I do this read. You enjoy your wine. Uh, is it wine? Right now. Okay. Uh, and then we'll be back right after this. Uh, let me talk to you quickly about the longest-running sponsor of the show, Barbecue Guru, makers of automatic pit temperature control technology, the creators of this technology, actually. Uh, if you're looking at these type of units, why would you buy from anybody else? I'm not sure exactly why, but uh, perhaps you're crazy. Not familiar with how these little beauties work. I don't like to talk about minutia, but imagine a product that allows you to set your pit temperature and one set keeps it running at that set temperature all the way through cook. Sound too good to be true? It's not. This is real life, and you can take advantage of this technology right today. So maybe you're a busy working professional like me or, you know, running the world's biggest internet forum like Meathead, and you don't have time to set around and tend to pit temperatures. I understand it. The Guru allows you to throw on a pork butt or a brisket, a couple slabs of rib. You're off to do whatever it is you need to get done, and the Guru maintains that pit temperature you set it at. There's currently a number of different models to choose from. Of course, the one that we are really promoting over the last number of weeks is this Party Cube. It has been given a facelift. It looks aesthetically pleasing. It is very simple to use. It is a self-contained item. It runs on AA batteries. I call it, in a very endearing way, the hooker of uh, pit temperature control devices because you can take it from one pit to the next pit to the next pit, and it works on all of them as long as you have uh, uh, the right support to put on there, uh, whether you have a... Uh, ceramic cooker or a Weber smoking mountain or a bullet style cooker whatever you got it can go from one to the next and again it's on double a battery so you don't have to worry about finding electrical outlet or anything like that 149 dollars uh, for most cookers you can get it at thebbqguru.com if you have any questions about what to order maybe you're not looking uh, specifically for a party queue maybe you're looking for the cyber queue wi-fi or or whatever you got a big pit and you don't know what size fan to buy don't get all crazed just call them 800-288-GURU that's 800-288-GURU and they will make sure that you're outfitted with exactly what you need to get you up and running right out of the box again 800-288-GURU or visit the website thebbqguru.com we are back with meathead in mere seconds stick around we'll be right back Big name interviews, advice on cooking brisket and ribs, and the only host willing to share his honest opinion on all things important in the world of barbecue, it's the Barbecue Central Show. All right, we are back. We have a Meathead Goldwyn from Amazing Ribs joining us as well, and we're talking about chicken. All right, uh, where did we leave off, Meathead? Let's begin. Well, I was talking about some of the different types. There's a couple of other types of chicken I should touch upon. Yep. Uh, the roaster, which is a bigger bird. It's a six to eight pound bird, usually three to five months old. And then the capon, which is a castrated rooster. Uh, how, how, how was that? Uh, good. Hit, hit one of your sound drops now. <laughs> uh -oh. Wow. Castrated yeah. rooster. Castrated rooster. And they're about uh, six to eight pounds, uh, three to five months old, uh, maybe five to ten pounds. Uh, they got a lot of white meat. Do they uh, taste just like any other chicken? 
Yeah. Uh, mm. Well, I mean, it, it, as as chickens get older, the meat changes. The bones get harder. Um, the cartilage gets tougher. Um, and there's a little different texture and a different flavor. Um, and people who are in a chicken should try a few. Um, again, you can ask your uh, grocer, uh, can you get me a capon? Uh, and try a capon. Uh, here in Chicago, there's actually, not far from me, a, um, uh, a guy who has live chickens, turkeys, and other birds that you can go in there and say, I want that one. And he'll take it and he'll lop its head off and, and pluck it and hand it back to you. It's amazing. Um, like it doesn't even take a day. He just does it right there. He does right in front of you, uh, right for you. All right. Uh, and he also has stuff like um, quail eggs and fresh eggs. It, just a little small mom and pop shop. This is not a gourmet store. Uh, it's just a neighborhood uh, uh, shop. It's kind of cool. I think he's the last one in the city that does it. I, of course, that's the way it always used to be. You know, is that health code safe? I presume so. Ooh. I mean, I can't imagine don't he know? would survive without being safe. He's a butcher shop. He's a slaughterhouse and butcher shop, I guess. Wow. K-pop. All right. Yeah. Okay. So um, let's talk about cooking them, huh? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. I, I did you get the pictures yes, I sent I you did. at the last minute? Of course, as, always, as always. Of course. Right. I got You're it. so good. You're so good. Um, let's uh, let, let, let's yank up number one. All right. Give me one second here. I got to do a little bit different because of how late they were this time. Yeah. Sorry about that. Ooh. Okay. Um, I'm looking at a slightly different screen. Can you? Ah, there we go. There. Uh, just a little basic chicken anatomy here. Um, uh, we're looking at the bird breast side. So this is. Think of that as a human, if you will. Yep. That's chest side. Um, the head is missing, but if it was on, it would be facing you. Um, and it, there's a, a certain semblance to uh, human anatomy. Uh, the breasts are the, are the yellow pieces, and they're big and white. And the keel bone is the breast bone, just like on you. Um, and then you have the wings, which are their arms, and the legs. And, uh, uh, and then you got the part that comes over the fence last, the pope's nose. Um, and uh, uh, the, the, the flip side I, uh, is pretty much the same, uh, except there's two little nuggets of meat um, right where your um, latissimus dorsi would be. Um, and uh, they're uh, called the, um, yeah, they're on the back side there. Um, they're called um, the oysters, and they're really good. Um, so you want to watch for those. Don't lose them. They're right up against the spine. All right, let's, uh, uh, let's go to number two. All right, give me one second. I'm not as efficient as I usually am. Uh -huh. I apologize. Now, a lot of people like to up. cook a whole bird. And, of course, this is the French method, the, the whole bird. The problem with cooking a whole bird is you have all these different pieces of meat. The breast, which is very thick, um, much thicker than the other pieces of meat, um, and it's white meat. And now white meat is meat that... Um, uh, doesn't get a lot of exercise. Uh, uh, it, it doesn't have as much myoglobin. We've talked about myoglobin before. Dark meat, the legs and thighs, have fast twitch muscles designed for brief bursts of energy, like running. Um, and um, uh, they, they have um, more myoglobin, and that's why they're darker. Um, and... Um, uh, uh, excuse me, they're, they're slow-twitch muscles. I've got it backwards. Uh, they're slow-twitch muscles. The fast-twitch muscles are the breast meats. Um, and uh, the, the function, I mean, the, the chicken breast does very little. The, the problem with the, the breast 
is that it's so easy to overcook. And if you take it up to 165, you're bordering right on the edge of cardboard. So you really want to watch that breast meat with a digital thermometer like a Thermapen. Um, we'll be launching, by the way, our new um, thermometer database any day now. Uh, over 110 thermometers rated, reviewed, measured by a lab. Um, and uh, uh, But Thermapen still <laughs> rules all. Um, so you want to me meter that thigh meat, and I mean the breast meat. Thigh meat, because it's thinner, will cook faster. So when the breast hits 160, you can pull it off at 160 because it's hovered at 160 long enough that it should be safe. Um, and if, you le if it sits around for a couple of minutes while you're carving, it will rise up to 165. Um, you should be safe, but don't sue me if you get sick. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I take them off at 160. Um, and, uh, but, but at that temperature, the um, thigh and drumstick uh, can be 175 or so. And you know what? They don't care. They can take it. They're like pork butts. They can take a beating. Um, they have more fat. They have more myoglobin. Um, they're richer, tastier. And, I, I, you know, if you have a vote out there, uh, people who really like to cook and know meat, um, they'll vote for dark meat most Always. of the time. Yes. But um, a lot of people still love their chicken breasts. Um, now, there's some problems uh, with chicken breasts. We'll get to those in a minute. Let's move on. Uh, okay. Now, slide number two was a uh, number two, which uh, I didn't get to talk about much. That was a, um, uh, a, a, a what's called a butterflied or spatchcock chicken. And this is one way to deal with the different rates of cooking. If the bird is whole, it cooks slowly and you get different uh, doneness. But if you cut out the spine and spread it out like this, you not only cook it more evenly, but you get browning on both sides. And brown is flavor. So this is a good technique. Another way to do it, if you'll move to the next slide, number three, is to cut the bird in half. And same th story here. Now, this is a smoked chicken. Oh, uh, looks chicken. so good. Wow. Isn't that nice? Oh, yeah. Now, the problem with smoked chicken is that most of us like to smoke at low temperatures. Um, go back. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> if you smoke at low temperatures, you get rubbery skin. Now, mm -hmm. the best technique to deal with that is is if you can, if you have both, and a lot of your listeners do, you smoke it up to about 150, then you move it over to the grill and put the skin side down and um, hit the skin with high heat, and that's just another version of reverse sear. And you, you know how big a fan I am of reverse sear for steak. I do it for chicken, low and slow to start, even cook, Bring it up to about 145, 150, then flop it over skin side down on the high heat, crisp that skin, render some fat, yep. um, and uh, reverse sear it, and you've got a great chicken. And uh, that's what we did here. This is a uh, smoked bird with a really rich, dark rub, and then um, hit on the high heat. Now, another way to deal with this issue of different doneness on the next slide, of course, is to break them into parts. And this is really your best way to cook a chicken because this way you can get your thighs and your drumsticks and your wings and your breasts cooked to optimal temperature. Ooh, this, I love what you're doing with the, uh, the, uh, drop-ins here, Greg. Oh, you're yeah. getting very, very cool with the technology. Um, so <laughs> that's good. That's good. Hey, Vanna. Thank you. Yeah, Vanna, where is the thigh tonight? <laughs> 
Um, so there it is. Yes. Um, uh, so I, I, I recommend in most cases, it's not as cool looking as doing a whole bird. Now, if you're going to do a whole bird, uh oh, I got to rotate for it. Let's jump all the way down, if we can, Greg, to number 14. Ah, this is a great way to do a whole bird. When you do a whole bird on a rotisserie, you bunch everything up and it's a ball. So the thickness is about the same in all areas and it cooks more evenly. The dark meat does get a little more done. And this is a great way to do it. I put vegetables underneath with a little water in there and the drippings from the bird get down into the vegetable pan, flavor the vegetables. It's just like putting them in chicken stock. Yeah. The water evaporates. Then, if you time it right, it starts to crisp and fry. And a dark pan works better than a silver pan. And then you hit it with a drizzle of honey or at the end, some seasoning at the start. It really works great. If you're going to rotisserie, you can see the counterweight in the foreground. That's a cool thing to have for your rotisserie because it helps you balance the bird, just like the, the uh, balancing weights on your tires. And rotisserie is a really good way to do a whole bird. Um, and uh, there is, you know, a lot of drama in a whole bird. But you don't get the browning on the inside that you do when you get a spatchcock bird or individual parts and pieces. Now, let's talk about a couple of techniques that will help along the way. Yes, pounding the breast. <laughs> um, yes, good, excellent. Very good. Um, the breast is kind of teardrop-shaped or pear-shaped. And where it's pointy, it tends to get overcooked and um, dry and crispy. And a lot of people like that. Um, but if you take the bone out, and if you'll rotate to the next picture, and pound it. I just use a, a frying pan, put a little piece of plastic over it so that the juices don't go flying. And you can gently pound it flat. And when it's flat, it's even. And then you can cook this at a fairly high temp. Yeah. Um, uh, you can get that uh, uh, nice and get some good dark browning on the sides in and out in a hurry. And that's great sandwiches, you know, turkey breast sandwich. Um, and, and, and that's a good technique for uh, the breast. Now, on the next slide is uh, thigh. And anybody who competes knows about this. But when you buy thighs, there's often a section of backbone attached. And not only is that spine um, a pain in the butt to eat around, but there's organ meat like kidneys buried down in there mm. and they're not tasty. And so I, you just got to hack them off. I keep a, a, a Chinese meat cleaver and I've actually gotten pretty accurate with it. I haven't lost any fingers yet and just get a whack and knock that thing off. You get a neater, nicer looking. You don't have to make cupcake tin thighs for everyday dining, yeah, but if you get rid of that bone it'll be a lot tastier and better for you guess you were saying i said you don't need to do that absolutely you don't no. yeah. and now we're going to talk about everybody's favorite now yes. i'm guessing your audience is sophisticated and knows better but we have to talk about uh, beer can chicken this is the goofiest way to cook a chicken known to man uh, first of all and this is a <laughs> i did some really interesting experiment how in heck is beer going to get through that metal can into the bird now, there's just about two inches, two and a half inches in the cavity at the top. So if it got hot enough, the only place that could get beer and beer flavor would be the upper part. There's no way any – yeah, thank you. You got the pointer action going. There's no way flavor could get through 
that muscle down into the crotch, into the legs, and into the other parts. Absolutely no way. Um, but what's really interesting is go to the next slide. Um, you guys can do this yourself. This is a group of pictures. Um, and at the top left, you can see I, um, is it, I weighed a can of beer. You drink about half of it or you pour half off before so that in theory there's uh, it can more room to evaporate and it takes less to heat it. It weighs six and one-eighth ounces before cooking. In the next picture, look at the weight after cooking. That's seven and five-eighths. It's heavier. Uh-oh. It's heavier. How can that First happen? Of, it, it, I'll tell you how it can happen. The temperature of the beer never gets above 160 degrees. It never gets above 130 degrees. Uh-oh. You have a chicken koozie wrapped around your beer can, and that chicken comes out of the refrigerator at 38 degrees. Your beer, even if it starts at room temp, which I've done, and I'm going to show you a table in a minute. But what else happens is in that third slide on the right, uh, you can see if you look closely, there's about an eighth inch of fat yeah. and juices myoglobin. That's why it's heavier. The juices from the turkey drip down into oh, that can, no. and guess what? What? The beer can't evaporate if there's a layer of fat right. on top of it, can it's, it? It's capped it off. It's capped off. And not only can't it evaporate because of the fat, but it never gets above 130, and I'll show you. Now, the bottom picture shows you just how I did this rig, and you'll notice on the right is this guy. Yes, the fan. The fan. This, everybody, there's, this company went out of business. There's about 40 of them left on Amazon. Buy one now. Hang up from Greg's show. They're about 40 bucks a piece. What this does is it goes in. Can you see on the right of that picture? Yeah. It, it sits in where the rotisserie um, sits. And it's it, it, the fan is on the inside. It's heat resistant. I've had mine for months. It hasn't burned out yet. And it is amazing at making the temperature inside your oven even. And now on this rig, on this setup, the burners on the right are on almost on high. The yep. burners on the left with the bird underneath are off, so we're cooking indirect. And that fan is blowing hot air, and you get crispy skin. This is, this is convection cooking um, on a backyard outdoor grill for yep. 39 bucks. and the company went out of business. I've got to find a way to start making these. They're the best toy tool I have found for the grill, and I use them now on my pizzas, when I make pizza, because it blows hot air across the top, yep. I have found all kinds of use for this thing. It's absolutely the coolest thing, and it's made by Warning Hot Surface. Ah, um, I've heard of that before. Turbo Q. Turbo Q. Right? Turbo Q. We got to talk to uh, Bob over at uh, Barbecue Guru and get him to start building a new products. Things. That's right. Turbo Q. Okay. So now let's go to there's a table I sent. I think it's the next slide. Yeah, and I don't know if anybody can see this thing, um, but this tracks the temperatures of the beer can chicken. It starts under minutes. It ran, it ran for 90 minutes with the fan going. It ran the air temperature outside was 78 at the top, start of cooking, and it was steady at 78. The third column shows the oven temp. Uh, it started about 264, went up to 301, and just kind of hung around 330 throughout the whole cook. And the fan really is responsible for that. The beer temp. Now, this is cool. 
It starts at 75, room temp, and because you stick it in a 38-degree chicken, it drops. The temperature went down almost instantly to about 53, and then it starts climbing up. And when the time, the, by the time the bird hit 162, which is done, the, meat, the, the beer was 130. Mm-hmm. So there is no way in hell that that beer is going to evaporate. And if it could, it couldn't get through the metal can. Um, it is just a recipe for wasted beer, and that is a sin against anyone who oh, loves the barbecue. I don't think we could even discuss it further. It's bringing pain to me. Okay, so enough for beer can chicken. I hope I have d- dispelled, debunked, demythalized that um, concept once and for all. And all the details and my research and Dr. Blonder, my physicist guy, he did, some with a, he, he did it with a 16-ounce can. I did it with a 12-ounce can. He gets slightly different results with the bigger can. Basically the same concept. Right. It just doesn't work. It doesn't work. If you want to do a chicken, bust it up or do it spatchcock. Yeah, do it spatchcock. That's what I say. All right, Meathead, I hate to tell you this, but we have uh, run fast out of time. Oh, we didn't get to wings. Okay. We didn't get to wings. But we, I mean, we we are up against. Nah, we'll it. do wings some other time, man. We, I, 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 one, can, let me squeeze in one. The last slide, number fifteen. All right. Um, those are cracklings. Um, when you do your flattened chicken breast, the um, skin gets in the way. It busts up. It's great. And a lot of times, you want to do skinless chicken. Take those chicken skins, throw them in the freezer, and when it's time, put them on your smoker. Or throw them in a frying pan on low, and they make wonderful cracklings chips. And you can sprinkle them on top of a salad. You can sprinkle. I we, I did a, um, a tortilla soup, uh, which is a um, uh, I did a smoked chicken uh, in a tortilla soup and oh. sprinkled cracklings on the top from the skins. It's wonderful. So that's fun. Chicken, uh, have fun with it. Uh, treat it with respect, and uh, you won't get a tummy ache. All right, this Great. is. Meathead Goldwyn, you can always find him fun, at AmazingRibs.com. Meathead, thank you very much. As always, and we'll look for you again next month. Congratulations on getting LeBron oh, back. Oh, you're damn right. Thank you very much. God, the gods have shined on us finally. Meathead Goldwyn joining us here on the show. All right, uh, let's go ahead and uh, quickly get the uh, read in here. Of course, we're going to be talking about El Diablo mustard. Uh, El Diablo. July is the height of... Of the grilling season. No doubt about it. El Diablo wants to turn your ordinary mustard into the hottest on earth. Try adding some El Diablo's fiery habanero, roasted chipotle, flaming jalapeno, or spicy mango into your sauce. I do. Marinate or rub for a new flavor kick that's hot and intense. El Diablo features six bold flavors that taste great and are hot as hell. Try mango for island heat on your meat. Add a kick of Southwest with roasted chipotle. For Blazing Lays Affairs, try Steakhouse for a zing of Worcestershire and tangy tomato. Make an ordinary dog into an instant chili dog with El Diablo's Texas chili or try jalapeno on some hot bacon or a burger for real jalapeno puree and a mustard zinc. Or try habanero for a flavor inferno for you daring types that demand all heat all day. So get grilling, add some heat to your meat, connect with El Diablo on the Twitter or the Facebook for recipes, tips, and giveaways, bold flavors, great taste, hot as hell. DiabloMustard.com. That's LDiabloMustard.com. you got to check it out. Some of the best stuff I've had, you know, uh, this year. So six months in, seven months in, uh, pretty much the find of product for me this year is uh, El Diablo Mustard. Happy to have them aboard here. All right, we're back to wrap up quickly right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back.
Get in the smoke. Call 877-448-0433 to get on the air. Now, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, we are back. Quickly wrapping up here to uh, get out on time. Um, appreciate everybody uh, that joined me tonight. All the way back in the first hour, we had Sterling Ball from Big Papa Smokers. BigPapaSmokers.com. And then the second hour was Meathead Goldwyn. Amazing rips. Uh, if you have raw cast iron, reseason it each and every time. Little Pam, little Crisco as it starts to cool back down. Grill brush, reseason it each and every time. Generations of rust-free service. September 11th, 2001. I will never forget Until next Tuesday, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.